Good morning, everyone. Pastor Tim, it's good to be with you today. Trust you are well and all excited about the kids going back to school. I'll tell you, it goes quick, doesn't it? And we just saw the before picture, and maybe we'll see the after picture here uh, very shortly at Vacation Bible School. You know how quickly things come and go. But I'm excited about this year, but I bet you the kids aren't necessarily looking forward to those tests. How many of you really like to take a test? Anybody like to take tests? Shortly they're going to be taking physics tests and trig tests and science tests and, you know, vocabulary tests. And there's those other kinds of tests out there that we adults kind of enjoy, right? I mean, uh, I talked to somebody this week that went to get their blood tested. And, oh, they didn't like that. Very uncomfortable for them to have to be stuck with a needle. There are other kinds of tests out there, like the colonoscopy test. Anybody here love to take the colonoscopy? <laughs> and how about this, the COVID tests? Battle ramming that thing up your nostril, right? There's all kinds of tests out there. And i got to tell you, the tests that I did the best on when I was in school were the tests... Uh, questions were given to you ahead of time and the teacher said all right here's the 20 vocabulary words I want you to know this is the particular chapter out of the textbook I want you to know and here are the concepts that you're going to have to really know all about at these multiple choice questions or the essay questions and you were kind of prepared in advance and that tended to be the test where I I knew what to prepare for and, uh, you know, sometimes out there, there were those instructors, and maybe there's one in here that would kind of trick you with those tests. I actually took a test one time, and the instructions at the top just kind of went on and on, and it said, uh, here, here are all these questions below, but we don't want you to, uh, to uh, take this test. Just read all the directions that are right here, and then after you finish reading the, the directions, just turn the paper over. Well, there was only a couple in the class that followed the directions and turned the paper over, and everybody else just buzzed right through the directions, and they started filling out the test. And we all sat there and waited for them to, to kind of look up and realize they weren't supposed to take the test. Well, you know that God doesn't play games like that with us in the classroom of life. And when God uh, really has a test for your faith, he's going to tell you about it. And that's clearly seen in the scripture. And so we're going to talk about this today as we continue our series here on home run life. Because at the end of the day, we all want to really succeed in life. We want to really uh, be faithful and obedient to God as disciples. And we've been looking at some of these wonderful people in the Old and the New Testament, these great saints that were people who were faithful. And today we're going to look at this guy known as Abraham. Abraham, we find his story in the Old Testament, but we also find that it lands in the New Testament in that great chapter, the Hall of Faith chapter. He's in the Hall of Fame as one of the most faithful people that ever lived on the planet. And so we're going to take a look at this guy who really stepped up to the plate and he had tremendous obedience. He was greatly faithful with God. Now, without a doubt, Abraham is the greatest example of faith that we find in the Bible. And, of course, others are found in the Bible, like Enoch, like Noah, and they lived these extraordinary lives of faith. They were so obedient in their walk and faithfulness to God. 
But really, none of those stories are as closely chronicled as this guy known as Abraham. His faith was so celebrated, in fact, in the Old Testament, that even the Levitical prayer of confession really uh, glorifies God, but it, it really kind of lauds Abraham and his faith. And you find that in the book of Nehemiah, for example, in Nehemiah chapter 9. Abraham was a guy that's called the father of the faithful, and he was also called the friend of God. And this man is revered, as you know, by more than half of the world's population because not only do we kind of, uh, you know, look at this guy in high esteem, Abraham, who was an amazing guy who was faithful in his walk with God, but we also know that the Muslims highly esteem Abraham, and we also know our Jewish friends do as well. And in fact, in ancient times, the Jews considered Abraham to be almost worthy of their worship because of this guy's life and his obedience. And in the Bible, Abraham is presented to us as a great example of a man who lived by faith. Just three verses that I want to call your attention to today, and it's actually found in the book of Hebrews. And so take your Bible and join with me uh, here, even on the screen, and just kind of remind ourselves here, set our bearings on this guy and his faith. And it says here in Hebrews 11 and verse 8, By faith Abraham, when called to go to a place he would later receive as his inheritance, he obeyed and went, even though he did not know where he was going. And by faith he made his home in the promised land like a stranger in a foreign country. And he lived in tents, as did Isaac and Jacob, who were heirs with him of the same promise, for he was looking forward to the city with foundations whose architect and builder is God. This guy, I want you to know, he had a very special life and a great portion, as you know, of the first book of the Bible there, Genesis, is devoted to this guy. And uh, we see in this guy's life, as you reflect upon it, that he went through four different tests at least four different kinds of tests. And I want to suggest to you today that these are the kind of tests that are going to be in the classroom of our lives. And we do well if we get prepared, if we start examining here the kinds of things that Abraham faced. I'm going to say to you that it's the same kind of test that we also are going to discover in our own life. And Abraham is simply an example of the ways that God can test our faith. Now, Abraham, as you know, in his lifetime, he went through this kind of testing. And I want to say to you that your circumstances may vary indeed, but I bet that you are also going to face these kinds of tests as you journey through life. And so you need to be prepared for them. They're really the litmus test of where we stand in God and where our faith really is. And you know what's on the test, and therefore you can kind of get ready for it. So everyone be advised, you know, know that these tests are coming in your life. The one thing that we don't know is the exact timing of when these tests are going to present themselves. You might say God is the master of pop quizzes. So you just know you need to be ready, you need to be growing, you need to be in the word, you need to be in a, a small group with people, other Christian people, nurturing one another. Uh, you need to really be faithful in your prayer life and you need to get ready uh, and maybe as I share some of these tests with you today, you're going to see yourself in this message. You're going to think, wow, I'm in the middle of this right now. 
Now, let me just say, if I were to ask you, are you a believer, and if we just go around the room, are you really a believer? I bet you just about everybody here would say, yes, I'm a believer for sure. And if I were to ask you, well, how do you know you are a believer? What's the evidence, or how is it that you have arrived at this conclusion that, yes, I'm a believer? And you say, well, I believe in God. Well, I'd say, that's great. I'm glad that you believe in God. But the Bible even bears out that even the demons in the book of James, chapter 2, acknowledge there's a God, but they're not going to heaven. And so, you know, these polls are taken all the time, and it tells us large percentages of people believe there's a divine being. Many, many people believe that Jesus is the Son of God. I'm a believer, and yet it has absolutely no influence upon their life. And the point is, you know, just kind of an acknowledgement of God's existence is not what it's going to take. It's going to take you going before God and having this encounter, saying, God, I am sorry for my sins. I have messed up my life, and I want you to forgive me, and I am going to give my life to you. You know, James says, faith without works is dead. And thus, if your actions don't correspond here to what you believe, your faith is worthless. So let me just share a couple of um, tests that I shared last week uh, that we're all going to face in life. And these are tests that I see in here in God's word that Abraham uh, endured and went through. And the first, the number one test maybe in life that we face is this, and it's the wear test. The wear test. Think about those where questions. Where am I going to settle down when I retire? Where am I going to go to school? A lot of, a lot of our life is where. Where am I going to get that first job? A lot of things like that. But the first test here in this guy's life was this test of a major change. And if you noticed in verse 8 that I read to you, it says, By faith Abraham, when he was called, he obeyed, and he went even though he did not know where he was going. How many of you here would do that? Uh, most of you know this story of Abraham there in Genesis. And, you know, 12, chapter 12 to 25. And God asked Abraham to make this major life change in his life. Abraham, I want you to pack up all your stuff. And we're going to move. Well, there's no ally back in that day. There's no two men in a truck. And this guy had a lot of property. I mean, this guy was one of the inns in that day in the city of Ur. I mean, all, all of these livestock and people, servants and people helping him. And it was a big move. And God asked him to move. And the only thing, God didn't tell him, tell him where he was going. He just said he was going to be moving. I can imagine that Abraham had a whole lot of questions about what was going on. Where am I going? How long is it going to take to get there? Do I need to pack my, my, my parka or whatever? You know, there was just nothing. We're just on the move. And would you move on that basis? Probably a lot of us would really be challenged. But, you know, that's one of the number one questions that we face in life is where. As a pastor, I have faced that a lot because I've been told by the district superintendent, we think you are going to be moved this year, and uh, they don't tell you where, okay? You just know you are being lit up that you might just get a call here that you're going to be going where. And so the weeks just kind of clip on. You know this thing is coming, and you don't know when the kids are going to, you know, are they going to be in this school district, or are they going to be changing to this district? And so we find the where question. A second test that we face is the when question. 
And the, the test of a delayed promise. And Abraham had to wait three generations, it says. This guy, because it says Isaac and Jacob, there were hairs with him. And that means he had to wait three generations for this promise to be fulfilled. And that's a long time to wait. He probably started every prayer with, when, Lord, are you going to answer this prayer? When are you going to do something about this situation? The first test question is where, the second is when. When am I going to get it? When are these answers going to come to my prayer? When are you going to fulfill your promise? When are you going to make my needs? And I don't know about you, but I can generally handle these kinds of questions, the when question, if I know there's a timeline. If, if I just know, well, it's going to last a couple weeks, and then I'll find the answer. Or this season is going to be for a year, and then I'll know what, what's going on. And most of the time, I can handle it if I can see the light at the end of the tunnel. But what do you do when you're kind of like here, this guy's waiting three generations. It speaks about his faith. But the two other questions that I want to dwell on here for us today, in addition to these two questions that we often face in life, is this. Test question number three is the how question. Think about it. It's the test of an impossible problem. Now, if you keep going in the Hall of Faith chapter here, this great Hall of Fame chapter of the Bible, Hebrews chapter 11, where they're chronicling these people had this amazing faith in God. So down in verses 11 and 12, it says this, By faith, Abraham, even though he was past age and Sarah herself was barren, was enabled to become a father because he considered him faithful who had made the promise. I'm going to stop there. You know, the greatest test, I want to say to you in... This guy's life here, Abraham. I mean, God had promised Abraham that one day he would be the father of a great nation, this nation of Israel. And the problem was he's 99 years of age, and he still doesn't have any kids. Now, wouldn't that kind of concern you if you're age 99, you still have any kids, and you know that's coming? And I think we'd all get a little bit worried about that. 99 years old is getting a little bit old to have kids. You probably heard about the guy who actually was in a family where he had 19 siblings. There were 20 kids in the family. You heard about this? And he was kid number 18. And his father had the last kid at age 72. And with 20 kids, the way that mom kept everything straight was to write the names in the back of the T-shirt. So she could kind of keep everything straight and know who was who. And he said, for 15 years, I was known as the fruit of the loom. This is worse because Abraham here is 99 years old and Sarah is up in years two. And Abraham and Sarah, they look at themselves and they say, no way, Jose. And it's an impossible situation. So here we find this incredible test that Abraham goes through, and it's the how question. How is this impossible situation going to be resolved? Well, if you go back here earlier on in the Bible, in Genesis 18, you find this, that God sent a couple of messengers to talk to Abraham and his wife and to tell them that what he had promised was indeed going to be fulfilled and that his promised situation was actually going to come to fruition. And it says here in verse uh, 9 in chapter 8, it says, The messengers came and said, Where is your wife, Sarah? And Abraham said, She's in the tent. Now, you have to remember, they're living in the tent, and they're living intently, pun intended. And then the Lord said, I will surely return to you about this time next year, and Sarah, your wife, will have a son. 
And now it says that Sarah was listening at the entrance of the tent, which was behind him, and Abraham and Sarah were already old and well advanced in years, and Sarah here was past the age of childbearing. So Sarah laughed to herself as she thought, after I'm worn out, my master is old, will I now have this pleasure? And then the Lord said to Abraham, why did Sarah laugh? And say, well, I really have a child now that I'm old. Is anything too hard for the Lord? Now, we know that Sarah didn't believe that she would have a baby. I mean, after all, after all a woman at that age, if she really thought she was going to have a baby, probably wouldn't laugh. They would cry, right? Uh, and so we know she didn't believe this at all. She's laughing at this. And the fact of the story is, it was an impossible situation, and they both laughed. Both Abraham and Sarah kind of laughed at this, but God has the last laugh. And Isaac is born. And guess what Isaac's name means? It means laughter. I mean, they named him laughter. I mean, they said, this kid's a joke. This is like in, impossible here of how God has worked. And I know some of you today are absolutely worried sick about what's going on in your life. You've got an issue. You've got a problem. You're like, how in the world is this going to be resolved? How is this impossible situation going to come to this climax? How is God going to work here in my life? And you're in this third test of an impossible situation, and you're asking the how question. You probably went through the where test, and you've gone through the when test. And now you're facing the how test. Is this all going to work out? Lord, I'm going to uh, need your help. How are you going to resolve? How are you going to help me make ends meet this month? How am I going to get out of debt? How am I going to be able to retire? How am I going to handle all this pressure? How am I going to handle this situation? The how question of life. It's the third test in our walk of faith. And I assure you, we're going to face this kind of testing. And so a real believer will expect a miracle without knowing how. And so three major tests in life, the where of a major change, the when of a delayed promise. And here you have this whole how of an impossible situation. And these kinds of tests really help us to mature. It helps us to, to grow. It helps us to produce fruit. It helps us to go deeper. I got to tell you, at covid it was such a challenging time for me, and I'm sure all of you. And, uh, but one thing I have to say is I had a time to go deeper in my faith, to really think more deeply, to read the Scripture more, and in different ways that I had done before. And there was something about it, even in its uh, strange way, that it really helped me to really grow in my faith. Uh, I heard there years ago about the Union Pacific Railroad, and it was being constructed, this elaborate trestle bridge over this big canyon, this big divide. And they wanted to test the bridge. And so the builder decided to load a train with so many extra cars and all this equipment. And they rolled it out right in the middle there of that bridge. And there they kept it for the entire day. And one guy there was kind of saying, he said, are you trying to break this bridge? And he said, no, I'm trying to prove the bridge won't break. And, you know, I think we even see that in the life of Christ when he's tempted there in the book of Matthew. Temptations that Jesus faced weren't designed to see if he would sin, but to prove that he couldn't. And these tests that we face are designed to help us grow in our relationship with God in some unique way. 
The last test, however, this is the grand slam. This is probably the most difficult test question of life that we're going to face, and it is the why question. And I'm talking about the senseless tragedies that happen in life where things just go wrong and sideways on you and just with no kind of fault of your own, things just happen. And you're like, why in the world does this take place? That's maybe the ultimate test. There's a lot that goes on in our world that I think we all acknowledge. It doesn't make sense. And I don't know why God allows all the evil and the things of that nature to happen in this world. But I do know that God has given us free choice. And so sometimes people make wrong choices. And, uh, you know, if you go home this afternoon, you decide to jump off a bridge, you decide to throw it all out there and I'm going to take fentanyl or whatever it is. I mean, you have a choice of what you want to do and God's not going to force you. But what about those senseless tragedies in life that don't make sense? Look at verse 17 here. And it says here, by faith, Abraham, when God tested him, he offered Isaac as a sacrifice. And he who had received the promise was about to sacrifice this one and only son of his. And even though God said to him, it's through Isaac that your offspring will be reckoned. Abraham reasoned that God could raise the dead. And figuratively speaking, he did receive Isaac back. I think in all of my ministry, this might be the one like story that so many people have difficulty kind of absorbing and understanding what's going on here. I mean... Maybe more so than anything else like Jonah the well and, and so many other uh, stories. God asked Abraham, after Isaac was growing, and Isaac's maybe 12, 13, 14 years of age, something of that nature, God said, I want you to sacrifice your own son. Now, how many here could do that? That's like a terrible kind of thing to think about. And this was unprecedented at the time. It had never been done before. Abraham didn't have the Bible to kind of inform him of the nature and character of God. He had no idea that God wouldn't actually let him go through this. And Isaac represented, you see, every single thing that God had given to Abraham. And our response to this here is almost like shock. Shock and awe. And it, this is so unfair. And how could God do that? It sounds like cannibalism. It sounds like pagan worship. I mean, this is just like over the top. Uh, but what's the lesson, as you sit and reflect upon that even more deeply, and you get the whole picture here of what's happening. A real believer will trust God's purpose even when they don't know why. And there are a lot of contradictions in life, to be sure, that we cannot figure out. Uh, and some of you perhaps are going through this right now. It's the most difficult question I find on the test is this why question. And some of you might be right smack dab in the middle of this. And why did I get fired from this job? Why did we have a miscarriage? Why did this tornado rip through our family's uh, you know, place? I mean, all kinds of questions. Why this and why that? And you notice here that God didn't provide rationale a lot for these situations. He didn't give any explanation to Abraham about any of these tests. He just said, follow me. Put your faith in me and be obedient and trust me. And God didn't provide explanations. But Abraham trusted God without any kind of rationale. And our problem why we don't live by faith is because we demand an explanation, do we not, for everything. Starts when we're really young. Kids want to know, well, why are we doing this? Why is this happening? And if God explained everything, there'd be no living by faith. Uh, faith goes beyond the realm of 
explanations and it's about expectations. And if you know, uh, if you have everything figured out in your life, all the hows, wins, wheres, all of that, the whys of life, then you're not living by faith. But God works in this realm beyond explanation. So friends, we need to get ready for this test. I wonder which one of these tests that you might be going through right now. We're going to share communion together here in just a moment. And I know that these are challenging times for so many people, you know, with coming out of COVID and uh, problems with maybe the economy and just other situations with health issues and concerns with family members and relationship problems. And there's so much turmoil. There's a lot of things in our life that I want to challenge you to really put your faith in God, regardless of the, the where, the when, the how, and the why. Say, God, you know what? I don't understand it all, but I put my faith in you. I trust in you, and I call upon you, and I pray that your spirit would be upon my life to give me comfort, to give me wisdom, to provide strength for this journey and what lies ahead. You know, one of my favorite verses in uh, the Bible, and I've got several, but one that really stands out to me is the one in Mark chapter 9, verse 24. A man came to Jesus, and this guy was desperately ill, and Jesus said, do you want to be healed? And the man said, yes, I want to be healed. And Jesus said, well, do you believe? And the man answered, this is classic. He said, Lord, I believe, but help me in my unbelief. Lord, I believe in you, but help me in my unbelief. And I want to say to you, that's really all you need to start a life of faith in Christ. Lord, I believe, but help me in my unbelief. And Jesus healed him. And if that's good enough to be healed, it's good enough to live through life because that's where it starts, putting your hand in God, all these questions, saying, Lord, I trust in you. So let's pray.